I want to say, since I get to say this, one thing about my mother, Ananga Manjari. Uh, thank you. If I could say, if I could say uh, one thing about my mother, uh, you know, many people know me as a kirtan singer, and obviously the kirtan movement around the world has grown, and there's kirtan festivals, and we get to go to different temples and share kirtan. But uh, I owe my ability to do kirtan to my mother. As you can see, she's, uh, she's got rhythm. <laughs> she's a drummer, and she's got rhythm. And uh, she played drum when I was in her belly, you know? And, and so that's what inspired me, I think, since before I was even born to play Murdanga and to be in Kirtan. And I know that the, I imagine the topic of today is, you know, is uh, emergence of women's voices in ISKCON. Um, and my mother's voice uh, and her drumming and her Kirtan and her singing was uh, at one time well known, was world famous in the ISKCON world. Uh, because she was one of the best drummers of 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 that, of, of, of that time. It doesn't say much. Well, well, <laughs> what it says is that if uh, if you had been able to continue doing it throughout all those years over the last 35, 40 years, that you weren't able to do it, then your voice wouldn't have to reemerge right now. But we're uh, still very grateful that your voice is re-emerging <laughs> and, that, and, and that you're able to share it with the world at this point in your life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Um, I want to introduce my daughter, Jamuna, who's also, she was the background voice there. I see, okay. Um, she's also a kirtaniya. She travels around um, and does kirtan, and she's also a holistic nutritionist. Thank you, kiddos. <laughs> and um, as a mother, if we uh, and father, if we keep our children happy when they're little, then they'll keep us happy when when they're big. Um, I've always just followed that um, that philosophy on child raising: keep them happy when they're little, then they'll want to do what you want them to do when they're big because they had fun doing it. Thank you. Very well spoken. Thank you. Those were really good words of wisdom from Sage Mama. Thank you for <laughs> uh, joining us today with the illustrious family. I was hoping we would get a glimpse of your good husband. His um, feet He's here also, but he, he yeah, he won't. So um, we are very happy to have you here today. And uh, we wanted to start off by uh, learning a little bit about your life, how you joined the Krishna Consciousness Movement, and how uh, how you have um, what you have been doing your services so far. So, if you'd please tell us a little about that, I think people obviously from the introduction know that you are the mother of Vishwambar, who's with the Mayapuris, is well known, and of of course Bhadra Prabhu with his uh, pilgrimages in Vrindavan. And then your other yes. children too. So the whole family is very illustrious. So we are very happy to have you today. We're very fortunate to be in this family um, that Prabhupada created. It's simply wonderful. <laughs> um, so 
um, something about myself. Um, how I got involved in Krishna consciousness, is that kind of what? Mm -hmm. um, so actually, I was born in a pretty pious family. My parents were very God conscious in some ways. Um, that was a very important thread through our life, not um, in a real way, in, a, in an in-depth way of behavior and caring for others. So um, at the age of 14, I became a vegetarian. I, those days, uh, vegetarianism was not very prominent. Um, very few people were vegetarians. And um, someone mentioned to me, oh, this is a vegetarian dinner. I said, what is that? They said, well, we don't hurt animals, so we don't eat meat. And I said, you can live like that? Um, and when I found out that you can healthily live like that, I decided right there and then I'm vegetarian. So um, later on, I met the devotees. I heard, I heard the chanting and I would chant on my own a little bit, not knowing really what it was. I uh, figured it was something about God, but I wasn't really sure. Um, but the chanting attracted me. The holy name caught me. It caught my heart and attention in my mind. So I, before I would get more involved, I asked to see... Uh, one of the pamphlets that they were handing out um, on the Boston Commons. Um, it was the Reservoir of Pleasure. This is 1970. Um, so I, because of the chanting, I would start chanting in my own head at any time randomly through the last uh, several months after I heard it. Um, so I wanted to know, what is this? Is it really in the direction I want to go in, is it going to teach me about the absolute truth? So I read something right there. I opened it up just in the middle and there was Prabhupada's words. This Hare Krishna mantra is saying, wake up soul that um, everything we're doing in this life, we've been dreaming. It's like a dream. Think about something you've done a year ago, a day ago. Now it's just a thought in your head. It has no more meaning than as if you dreamt it. And I read this and I thought, oh my gosh, this is true. It doesn't hold any time and space anymore. What I've done in the past, it's just a, you know, ethereal thought in your head. Um, so it's like a dream. So Prabhupada is saying, this Hare Krishna mantra is saying, wake up soul, wake up to the real life, real spiritual awakening uh, to understand who you really are. So I felt, oh, that's why I'm feeling happy when I sing this song, Hare Krishna. Um, it's wakening up my soul. So I had that uh, experience and I thought, this man, Prabhupada, he knows something that I need to learn. I need to learn it from him. So I began uh, coming to the temple, reading his books, and the philosophy convinced me and kept me. Um, Actually, the first, I have a little quick story. The first time I went to the temple, it was a Sunday feast. And I asked many, many questions. Actually, the devotees were a little amazed because I would not stop asking questions. Do you mean like this? What does this mean? Why is this like this? And when they would answer something, I'd say, you mean like this? And they'd go kind of like this, but like that. And it was um, one very wonderful uh, God sister, Sharadia, who is no longer with us. She's passed away, an artist, Sharadia. <clears throat> she was with Prabhupada since she was 14. Um, she would 
she was telling me all the answers I needed and all the philosophy. And I said, I want to speak as eloquently as you on this philosophy. And she said, well, if you listen properly, then Prabhupada said you will be able to speak. So I thought, okay, I'm going to keep listening and I need to know all the answers. So um, I went home that evening. I was the last person to leave the Sunday feast. And in those days, this was the Boston Temple in 1970. In those days, they would put tilak on everyone's head that came into the temple room. So I walked home. I was I had to take a bus and a train. It took me almost an hour and a half, two hours to get home. So I was sitting there with my tilak and the devotees had me incense. I had beautiful philosophy that I was really uh, absorbing. Um, and I had the flower from the Arctic that the devotees gave me. So I was sitting on the bus and I'm going, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, you know, just singing to myself, a little whispering it and very happy holding the flower, holding the incense with my tilak. And some Indian man was sitting on the bus watching me and he was staring and he was staring and staring and just like, oh, like this. And I was thinking, why is this man staring at me? It's late at night. I have to get home. Um, and I had no idea that this was an Indian tradition, philosophy. I, to me, it was total speaking to my soul, my heart. It was a transcendent knowledge that was awakening my heart. So I saw this Indian man staring at me. And I thought, when I get off this bus, I'm going to run into the train station so that he, you know, he'll know I'm, I mean business. I know where I'm going and I'm not, you know, fooling around. I was 16 at the time. So he got off the bus. I got off the bus and I started running and he started running after me. <laughs> he's running after me and I turn around and he's running and he kind of ran in front of me and he bowed down and he's going, Oh, Oh, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. And I'm like, what? And he goes, madam, madam. I'm thinking, madam? Not a madam. <laughs> and he said, when he was respectful like that, I couldn't help but stop. And I was like, and he said, you're chanting Hare Krishna? And I said, oh, yes. And it's wonderful and it's beautiful. And, and it's so, you know, um, uh, you know, it's, it's talking to the heart. It's waking up your soul. I was started telling him what I knew. And he said, I've known about Krishna ever since I was this high, like a little boy, but I've never seen anyone as happy as you. How is this? And he had to say it fast because he thought I would run away again. <laughs> so I said, oh, I said, it's not me. It's not me. I said, it's those devotees and it's our spiritual master. This is the first time I walked into the temple. I read some mm -hmm. of Bhagavad Gita. I heard from the devotees, the philosophy. And I knew that this is my spiritual master. I said, this is not me. It's my spiritual master who's done this. And so I spoke with him and told him whatever I learned that night a little bit for five minutes or so. I told him where the temple was. And um, I went home. Um, and the next morning, as soon as I got up, I was chanting Hare Krishna in my dreams all night. And I woke up and I said, I'm going off to the temple. I went to the temple that next morning. Um, and this gentleman was walking outside the temple. He was walking out. Mm -hmm. So he had gone early in the morning to see mm -hmm. uh, the temple. So, And when I saw him, I thought, of course, anyone who hears this philosophy is going to be convinced. And everyone, the whole world will change now. I yeah. I believed that much. But anyway, so that was my, uh, I say the holy name caught me. 
um, attracted me and the philosophy kept me and it's keeping me. Very good. Thank you so much. Um, that was a beautiful story. <laughs> and um, there's a new book out called Emergence of Women's Voices in ISKCON. And uh, it's relatively new. And we'd like to know what your role was in the production of this book. Thank you. The Emergence of Women's Voices in ISKCON. If someone wants to show the, um, the cover, Winston, are you going to show the cover if possible? Yes. This is um, a collection of letters and articles um, written and spoken by uh, different senior devotees around ISKCON. And it was compiled by Pranada and Sudharma. Sudharma inspired it because she was part of the women's ministry for many, many years. And Pranada was very active in compiling all of these letters and articles, papers, conferences, um, lectures, and she put them together in a brilliant way. Now this book um, is uh, an eye-opener. It's an eye-opener for all of us in ISKCON. It describes the time and circumstances of how we as devotees in our immaturity um, established the habit of devaluing women and families. Um, and then mistakenly allowed that uh, that that concept, that um, misunderstood idea to become accepted as a dominant part of our philosophy. We actually took something, misunderstood it, and we incorporated it deeply into our philosophy. Um, and so that every day it is, it became a very conscious, instead of Krishna conscious, it became uh, this conscious thing uh, that women are to be avoided. Women are to be, they are all less intelligent. They are not to be allowed to do certain things. They must be totally under the control of a man. Um, these concepts are not Vedic. They're not transcendental concepts. They are not concepts that are given by Prabhupada. So um, these were concepts that we imbibed in the wrong way through our immaturity, and we've established it as part of our tradition and philosophy. Um, so this book describes how that happened. I mean, it happened to many sincere people. It's not like uh, we're saying, um, you know, um, whoever started this was uh, bad. It just happened because of our immaturity. And so now this book is there to help correct us because, um, I know we don't like to say, well, I can't change anything Prabhupada gave us. But what this book is doing is telling us what Prabhupada gave us and how we already changed it in the wrong way and misdirected ourselves um, to a certain extent, at least in this area. And we must uh, learn how to see it from a different perspective, see the concept of women, Vaishnavis engaging in devotional service from a different perspective, a more healthy perspective, Prabhupada's perspective, and, um, and adjust accordingly, which is very important. Um, I like to say this is uh, not a woman's issue. A lot of people go, oh, wow, here we go, talking about the women's issue. It's not a woman's issue. issue. This is an issue of understanding Prabhupada's legacy and carrying it out um, to be more effective for the 
future generations. So it's a Prabhupada legacy issue, actually. And um, unfortunately, a lot of damage has been done to his legacy. Um, and it's being perpetuated still, which we need to um, adjust. Thank you. Uh, did you, um, you've been uh, a devotee for around 50 years or so. And uh, yes. do you think um, as a woman, what has been your overall experience? Did you face any um, obstacles or um, had um, some difficulty expressing or using your talents? Just like Vishwambar was saying, you had rhythm and we're one of the best drummers. Wow. And but somehow or other that was put aside. Um, so what has been your experience? Um, yes. There were uh, many uh, amazing women kirtan leaders like Jamuna. Mm -hmm. um, oh, what's her name? Anyway, I, many others uh, who did wonderful kirtans who could preach um, amazing, give amazing discourses on Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita, um, and. Yes, the voices were suppressed. And that's why now this book emergence of women's voices, the women's voices. I remember my, my struggle uh, was at first, when I first became a devotee, I was, everyone was doing, leading uh, kirtans, giving classes, uh, leading the sankirtan party out on with the murdungas and instruments and um, sometimes managing things. And we were all doing whatever was necessary to spread Prabhupada's mission. That was our ambition. And we all worked together cooperatively. Most of the spirit of cooperation, I remember when I first came between the men and women. And of course there was uh, a respectful distance in a way. We, we all had that understanding that was there. Um, but yet we were real true brothers and sisters. If someone looked like they were down, uh, one of the brahmacharis would come up to me and say, you know, are you all right? You know, um, can I help you? You know that Prabhupada said this and it gives some word of encouragement with the philosophy. It was a transcendent um, mood. Now um, we, in around 72, many devotees started taking sannyas and that changed a little bit of the mood and the face of the ISKCON society. Um, there were many sannyasis and I was, I happened to have been married to her Dayananda where they told all the girls had to get married. I was 17. <laughs> My ambition of joining Krishna consciousness was not to get married. My ambition was to know the philosophy. And actually I had a, <clears throat> personally, I had a dilemma that I didn't want to live in the temple. I wasn't attracted to the food, the clothes, the culture, the Indian aspect of it. I wanted to, I was absorbed in the philosophy and I wanted to know the philosophy and then be able to share that with others however I could. But in those days, if you did not live in the temple and uh, don all the things that went with it, the clothes and the, you know, then you were not a devotee and they made it very difficult. They made that known. You couldn't just be a friend of Krishna, a congregational member, live outside. And, you know, the, the, they were, uh, yeah, it was, and that's immaturity. That's Kanishta Adhikari, where someone has the mentality, if you don't do exactly what I do and wear what I wear and act like I act and use the, you know, um, the, the um, verbal jargon, then you're not 
you're not up to the standard and I shouldn't associate with you. So this was an immature act that we created. Prabhupada didn't create that. We did. Anyway, so I was in the temple and then they said, all the young girls have to get married. And so they arranged a marriage with Hridayananda. I was happy because I liked the way he preached and I listened to his philosophical explanations and I, uh, it always was very convincing. So I thought I can learn from him. So this is okay. <laughs> and in those days, we didn't live together as husband and wife. We lived separately in the temple and the Brahmacharini ashram, Brahmachari ashram. We went out for preaching. Anyway, in a year, um, we talked about taking sannyas. So we went to Prabhupada and we asked, and that's a whole story, but I won't get into it there. Um, so he uh, took sannyas um, in 1972. So I joined in 70, got married in 71 at the age of 17. And he took sannyas. I was 18, just turned 19, something like that. <laughs> and so I was, uh, I, and we thought, we both thought that, okay, we're doing this for Prabhupada. I'll be preaching and traveling. You'll be preaching and traveling. We're doing the same thing for Prabhupada. But within that very year, as soon as he took sannyas, within a few months, the authorities started saying, oh, we cannot hear women's voices in the temple room. You, women aren't allowed to touch a murdanga. Women aren't allowed to chant Jopper in the temple room. Women aren't allowed to give classes anymore. It was a shock. You can imagine. It was a shock. I'm like, well, who am I? What am I supposed to do then? Because that is who I was. That was my service. That was all I knew. And that's what I felt Prabhupada gave me that a little bit of ability in those, those areas. And I must use these for him. So I wrote a letter to Prabhupada, um, independent from any authority. Wow. I wrote a letter to Prabhupada to face this dilemma so I could hear from him. And I wrote, Dear Shula Prabhupada, I don't remember the exact words, but I, I very clearly said, I'm a 19-year-old girl whose husband has just taken sannyas, so I'm single, and I will not be getting married. Single 19-year-old girl, and my only desire is to serve you by studying your books and um, being able to give classes and preach in your mission, in your movement. Is that okay? Is that allowed for a 19-year-old young person who's single, not protected by any man, to be able to preach, to give classes and be a leader in your society, a leader as a preacher, as a teacher. Prabhupada wrote back. And first he said, please concentrate your, I have the letter still. He said, and it's in the letters. He said, please concentrate yourself on the holy name. That is the first business because that's our power. That's our strength. And when we do that, then we have purity of in, 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 intention. And that's the important thing. And then he said, and yes, read and study my books. And you will be a great preacher. You will have great success and you will be able to be a great example for our society. Prabhupada was very clear. He said the word great. So he's telling a 19-year-old single girl, single woman, to be great as a leader, great as a preacher, set an example for the ISKCON society. That was his intention. That was his desire. But it was not to be. I, I tried in many ways. And I have to say, there were many, many authorities that I had that were very intelligent and 
were good managers and they understood that here's some energy here that we can use to, um, to uplift Krishna consciousness in our, in our temple, in our, for the devotees, for, the, you know, for other people. Um, so let's engage her. So they did. And I have to say, they saved my life because that gave me um, a taste. I was in charge of a Sankirtan party in Los Angeles and Laguna Beach. Um, of all women, Sankirtan party. We traveled on our own. They gave us our own temple. And I have to say that was Rameshwar. He was a very expert manager. He knew, he saw something and he said, I'm going to utilize this to uh, spread Krishna consciousness because that's what Prabhupada wanted. So he gave us our own temple preaching center in uh, Salt Lake City. He gave us our van. We could travel. I was in charge. He hardly, he did not micromanage. There was no other man in charge of our party at some point they asked should a man come and be in charge of your party i said i will not allow it because there was some hanky panky things going on between the other men sankirtan leaders and the sankirtan woman they were coming to me the women were coming to me complaining um saying please help us and i tried to be outspoken but i was shot down in many ways so anyway these things were going on it was difficult and places i went there were other authorities who were not understanding and they were very stifling and controlling and actually it's like abuse to the soul mm. so um i did struggle i had to dodge their immaturity in many ways one actually devotee i helped him become a devotee and when he was a young person and, and then a couple of years later he's the president in the temple i happened to be at and he calls me in the office and he says you must know that you have no relationship with Prabhupada except through me. Do you understand that? <laughs> I just said, oh, Prabhu, I've been through enough to know that I have a relationship with Prabhupada and you and no one else is going to get in my way. So step aside because I don't agree with you. And then he just flipped out and threw out the, you're just a less intelligent woman. And I said, then I don't belong here. Thank you very much. And I left. And I went to another temple where I could be better engaged. So these kind of struggles were there as a young person, a young single woman with no other protection. But I, because of, um, because of my good foundation in Krishna consciousness and the good association I had, um, it gave me strength to be able to make these decisions and do what I needed to push through the cracks. I like to say it was like concrete covering up the seeds that Prabhupada planted bhakti lata seeds in our heart. And then this concrete concept, bodily concept of men, women, less intelligent, you know, American, Indian, whatever, these concrete uh, bodily concepts uh, are like concrete that cover the bhakti lata, but still the bhakti lata will push through and fructify if we're strong enough and if we're fortunate enough. So, um, Anyway, so that was some struggle. Um, we created a dysfunctional paradigm, a belief system within ISKCON uh, that was based on that bodily concept of life. And that's the Niyamagraha, the accepting some tradition and accepting some words from the Bhagavatam. There's words, women are less intelligent. You know, Prabhupada wrote these words, yes. But how are we to understand them? I was in his room one time. When one, um, one um, 
journalist said, Prabhupada, uh, in your books, you're saying women are less intelligent. So what do you say about that? And Prabhupada said, uh, this is not, we're not talking about, uh, these are not ordinary women that come to Krishna consciousness. These are not ordinary women or sudras, I'd like to add, because the verses or sudras are less intelligent, women are less intelligent. So these are not ordinary sudras or women. These are Vaishnavas. They've come to a higher, anyone interested in spiritual life is not less intelligent. Anyone interested in spirit. So there you have it. The, the discrimination should not be against women or men or sudras or Westerners or women. It should be against the um, level of aware, spiritual awareness that you have within your heart. And who can judge anyone else on that? So this is what he gave this transcendent philosophy, transcendent knowledge, um, and, um, you know, we uh, still assume that, unfortunately, these are part of the Krishna consciousness um, movement that we should only call woman uh, Mataji, daughter, you know, Prabhupada's daughters. Well, yes, I'm Prabhupada's daughter. He was affectionate to me. But more than that, he gave me his discipleship. He wanted me to repay him through my discipleship because as a daughter, I don't have to pay him. Daughter doesn't repay the father. The father gives to the daughter. If you want to talk about Vedic tradition, <laughs> the daughter doesn't repay the father. The disciple must repay the spiritual master. So otherwise, uh, you know, um, by relegating woman to only being Mataji, uh, nothing wrong with an affectionate. I address many elderly women, uh, especially in their Indian tradition or in the Spanish tradition also. They call madre, madre. This is, uh, you know, an affectionate respect. There's something not, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I am Prabhupada's daughter. I am very grateful to be his daughter, that he was affectionate with me and looked at me with great affection. And I have some stories at another time. But more than that, he, he gave that bhakti lata bij of, of bhakti yoga, the science of transcendental devotional service that I must repay with more devotional service. That is, the, that is actually my first, before I'm a mother, before I'm a daughter, then that is my first, my first identity. Just like um, Guru Bhakti, you are a doctor, yes? Yeah. And when you go to your clinic or hospital or wherever you go for your work, how do they address you? They address you as doctor, so-and-so. And if they don't address you as doctor or so-and-so and they just say, hey, you, right? Or woman or whatever, then this is demeaning. This is demeaning your credentials that you've worked so hard to, to, to create. You've studied hard to make it. It, it. it diminishes your credentials and it diminishes the whole hospital's credentials because you're a representative of the hospital. So when we don't address or recognize, I'd like to say, recognize, the address is secondary, the recognizing of the respect that these are Vaishnavas and Vaishnavis that Prabhupada made. They're no more sudras, no more um, just mere woman. Then otherwise we are, we are discrediting Prabhupada, what he's done, and we're discrediting the process of Krishna consciousness, that it actually changed 
people's lives. We've given up our families. We've given up our jobs. We've given up our education. We've given up our, 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 the way we eat. We've given up the way we, everything to um, be Krishna conscious, to engage in devotional service. Anyway, that was a long answer. I'm sorry, but that, that probably took care of some of the other. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That was beautiful. I was going to ask you what kept you going through all these obstacles and you gave one of the answers was you felt the duty of a disciple. Yes. That as a disciple yeah. you have to repay Srila Prabhupada. And that was yes. wonderful. Uh, that may, what, what were the things which kept you going through the obstacles apart from this, this great yes, responsibility that, you felt to Srila Prabhupada? That my identity as this is, oh, sorry. Yes. Yes. It's a great responsibility that to be a representative of him and a representative of his philosophy and his way of how he gave Krishna consciousness. It's a, it's a huge responsibility. And we embrace that responsibility because he gave it with love. Now we must give it to others with love and care. I mean, we're supposed to be, when we say the word Prabhu, I'll just get into this for a minute because it's philosophical. And it, it is addressed in this book, Emergence. And why is it important? Why is, why is it such becoming a big thing? Um, the word Prabhu means master or teacher. And what, we, what Prabhupada did, Prabhupada, first of all, knew Sanskrit. We can't say he didn't know Sanskrit. So some people argue Prabhu is a Sanskrit. It's in Sanskrit, it's a masculine word only to be used for men. But other words are masculine and they're, not, they're used for anyone. But anyway, besides that, Prabhupada knew what he was doing. A great saintly person never does something just whimsically or just to please other people or just for show. No, a great saintly person always has an intention, a deep intention. It, it's explained in the Bhagavatam as Vidura. Every word he spoke had a deep meaning and someone has to be intelligent to understand those deeper meanings. So my understanding of Prabhupada, why he called a dressed woman as Prabhu from the very beginning uh, Malati Prabhu, Jamuna Prabhu. He even wrote it in some letters. Um, Sharadiya Prabhu. Um, so he was establishing himself as the Prabhupada. He came alone. His god brothers did not help him at the time. They didn't encourage him. He came by himself. He had to prove to them, to his the, all the Gaudiya Vaishnava god brothers and the other Gaudiya Vaishnavas from other Sampradayas and all the smarta Brahmins in India and all the educated people of India. He had to prove that this Krishna consciousness turns sudras and women into Vaishnavas. So if he did not address us in that spiritual, that in that spiritual relationship as Prabhu, then his whole, then half, of his people were then his credibility as Prabhupada would not be established. He wanted, he knew I'm bringing all these Western sudras and women to India and I want them to behave as Prabhus. I want them to behave, but what is Prabhu? It's not master of you or master of someone else. It's not that the Prabhu men are masters of the woman or the Prabhu women are supposed to be all of a sudden are masters of men. We are masters of bhakti yoga. We are masters of love. We are masters of um, the science of Krishna consciousness. And in that way, we serve the whole world. We are servants of everyone. Because we've mastered bhakti yoga, we've mastered the science of love. 
transcendent love, divine love. And because we've mastered divine love to a certain extent, <laughs> I'll make a little disclaimer there, <laughs> at least for myself, right? But in the eyes of Prabhupada and in the eyes of what he wanted India to see and all the other educated people who know about uh, um, Vaishnavism or, or Vedic culture, he wanted them to see, look what Krishna consciousness has done, not look what I have done. Prabhupada also was not caring. I am the Prabhupada, but he wasn't doing it for himself. And we follow in his footsteps as little Prabhus. We are to follow those footsteps and be humble and say the whole world is meant for me to serve. That is bhakti yoga. That is master of bhakti yoga. So anyway, it's not between men and women. This is not a battle of gender. This is a battle against the bodily concept of life to transcendence. As I said, when I spoke with this Indian man the first day I heard about Krishna consciousness and read a little bit about Prabhupada's um, philosophy, I had no idea this is Indian. He told me, oh, I heard about Krishna all my life. I'm, well, I didn't know. But all I know is what my spiritual master, and I, and I accepted Prabhupada right there and then as my spiritual master because I could see how it's different than what this man had all his life. It's not the same. It's not where we're not meant. Prabhupada did not bring Hindu culture to, in, to America. He didn't want that we keep the same necessary, the same so-called traditions. Of course, there are many wonderful uh, traditions and habits and things that we learn about cleanliness and things like that. Those are to serve Krishna better. But those things that do not serve Krishna better, those things are not to be followed. Accept everything favorable and reject things unfavorable. And putting down a whole class of Vaishnavas or Vaishnavis is not serving Krishna better. Our movement has been stifled. Our mission has been uh, held back. It could have been so much more uh, prominent in the American, in the Western society, and it isn't. We're a little. We're still considered like the. Oh, they all only remember us as those people that used to dress in robes and run around in the airports and collect money. I mean, you know, it's embarrassing. It's an embarrassment. So we have to change our paradigm. We have to change the mistakes we made. We have to, uh, one of the questions was, you know, oh, oh, go ahead, well, maybe we're on the next question. I'm not sure. Yeah, Sorry. Well, <laughs> um, ask you, do you think ISKCON is moving in the right direction? <laughs> yes. Um, well, it's still to be determined, isn't it? Because um, as I said, it's embarrassing that we have to even ask ourselves this. Um, after 50 years or more. Um, the fact that we need to steer ourselves in the right direction means we've been steering ourselves in the wrong direction. So at least we can admit this. And those who admit it, read The Emergence, uh, The Emergence of Women's Voices, this book. Um, it's, it's um, again, you'll understand the history of how this happened. There's no blame. There's no blaming. It's just now let us join together um, and, and correct these um, mistakes. Um, I do want to mention, which um, the, if you go to uh, www.vaishnavministry.org and then go to The Emergence of Women's Voices, you can read the whole book online for free. Or if you want to purchase it, it's on Amazon and it's on Book Rights Press. So this is when I asked Pranada, uh, what it was your inspiration to compile this, all this knowledge 
and put this out there. And she said it's to give the torch for the future so that people will understand the history of the real history of what Prabhupada wanted for women in ISKCON. Um, as we know in Mayapur, the Mayapur is, you know, the Mayapur temple is a, an amazing, beautiful project that was very dear to Prabhupada's heart. And on Prabhupada Samadhi, there is a, you know, the bas relief of all devotees from all over the world is, you know, Bengali devotees and dark Indian devotees. And then there's the white men, but there are no women up there. This is like, what's going to happen in archaeology in a thousand years from now when the buildings break down and no one hears about or somehow or other, if no one, if this, you know, if uh, technology goes down and we don't hear about the emergence of women, then the archaeologists will look at that and they'll say, oh, this was just another Godiama or just a bunch of white men, only a few white men joined. And that's the only difference. They will not accept this. Prabhupada's legacy is being destroyed, is being ignored. And I, 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 to tell you the truth, um, so we have a long way to go. And, and some people say, well, why now the women's, or, you know, these women Prabhupada disciples, they want to be called Prabhu just so that they can be master and lorded over. Really? After 50 years of accepting abuse and being quieted and not being able to use our um, the way we were meant to, not all women, if someone's satisfied having children and just being simple mother, that takes a lot of intelligence and energy and creativity and stamina and, and, um, and philosophical understanding to do it right. So um, that's glorious. We're not saying it's not. But for those who um, had something more to give to the rest of the society, um, you know, um, we kept quiet. We kept quiet thinking, okay, this is just in this temple or this is just there. Now it's okay. It is a lot of people think like this, but really Prabhupada didn't mean it. So I'll go on in my services. I'll go on. I'll go on. I won't say anything. I'll be quiet. You know, call me whatever you want and, you know, whatever. And it actually says something that for ourselves, we didn't care. We took it. But when we started seeing, oh, this is not just hurting me. This started, this is hurting our children. Our intelligent young girls that grow up and boys, they go, what is the, your Krishna consciousness? Oh, women are less intelligent. You're putting my mother down? As, as Vishy said, my mother is my, was my first guru. And now you're putting her down? So they, 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 they lose their faith. If they're very intelligent, they won't lose their faith in Prophet's philosophy, but they'll understand, they'll lose their faith in the ISKCON Institute that propagates this kind of mentality, or at least those certain individuals who are propagating it within ISKCON. These, we don't want that. We want to save ISKCON from that. We care. We want to save Prabhupada's mission from that. So now we realize in our maturity, we realize, wait, this is not just hurting me. This just didn't quiet me for 50 years. This is hurt Prabhupada's mission. It's hurting the next generation. So therefore, we are coming out strongly and speaking very strongly on this. I have an example of this. Um, <laughs> I was in, Vrind in Vrindavan. We were at Govardhan, and my children were young then, my little girls, and we were all, they were young. And Bhadra Govardhan Parikrams, and it was Govardhan Puja Festival. So all every, we were in this ashram in Govardhan, at Govardhan um, Hill, and... Um, 
everyone was engaged so nicely through the day. We were all making for the decorating of the hill and this and that. And then um, Bajra, we put up, my husband, he put our deities on the hill, the Govardhan Sheila's. And we were so excited. And my little girls were all excited. They were all dressed up in their gopi outfits. And we had strung garlands and made a cow dung Krishna. And everyone was, it was a beautiful, uh, festive atmosphere as Govardhan Pujpi. And every man, woman, brahmacharis, everyone was working together. Um, and then we got in line because it was, time to bathe the Govardhan deities on the hill that we made. So we, my little girls were all excited and their eyes were all bright and we were standing in line and I kind of, we went to the front of the line and some little brahmachari, you know, who probably joined just a few months before or something, <laughs> some Indian brahmachari, he starts yelling very loudly, woman to the back of the line, woman to, and children to the back of the line. And my little girls looked up at me with their eyes. I remember it seared into my heart. They looked at me and they said, mommy, do we have to go in the back? You know, after all this excitement. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of turned my back to him. And I turned my girls around. I said, don't worry about it. We'll just ignore him. Don't worry. <laughs> and he started yelling more forcibly. And then he came right near my ear and he yelled very loudly. Prabhupada said woman in the back. When he said that, I got furious. I turned around and I said, you show me where Prabhupada said this. You show me where he said this. Don't tell my spiritual master, you know, put words in my spiritual master's mouth. Then I get, became angry. But for myself, I was just, let's turn around. Let's ignore him. Let's not make a scene. But when it came to, he started saying, Prabhupada said, and where did you say Prabhupada said? I was ready to grab him by the quarter and, and say, you show me where Prabhupada said. I didn't do that, but I was very powerful and I created a little scene and he walked away and put his tail between his legs. And I thought, I'm staying here. This is our service. This is all of our service. We cannot put words in Prabhupada's mouth. We cannot put paradigms in Prabhupada's philosophy and traditions and habits that we perpetuate when they're wrong, wrong, wrong. It's never right. Prabhupada, I want to ask everyone. In any way, have you ever seen Prabhupada writing or talking or in his managing that he stifled Krishna consciousness, that he stifled the, the advancement of, of the spiritual, of giving spiritual knowledge to anyone? No, he was all about whatever it takes to go forward. And when the devotees went to Russia, he said, if you have to eat meat, do it, but go preach Krishna consciousness, change their lives. He was never going backwards. And now we have people in our movement who claim to be in Prabhupada's movement and claim to be wanting to help his mission by talking about this uh, Varnashram. Now all the Vaishnav women should go in the kitchen and the bedroom. And this is where their service is. Make babies and make chapatis for me. And this is the Varnashram. I'm sorry. Varna ashram. Varna means your mundane duty. And it also means, it actually really means the inspiration that God gave you, the, the very, um, the very uh, talent that God gave every individual. That is your Varna because it's not by birth and it's not by body. Prabhupada makes that very clear over and over again in all his purports. That, that, so the Varna is our natural inclination of how to serve, how, what to do. I'm an artist, I'm a scientist, I'm an intellectual, or I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a mother, or I'm a street sweeper, or I'm a whatever. These are our natural inclination 
that makes us do these things. And ashram means that those who are Vaishnavas and very intelligent know how to take people's varnas and inspire their varnas to become an ashram, serving God, serving a higher purpose. So I challenge anyone who says that ashram means that now the Vaishnavas, whoever's initiated devotees or whatever, coming around a Krishna consciousness, must go back into just being, uh, you know, make yogurt, make chapatis, and have babies. This is a disgrace to Prabhupada's mission. Because you cannot, they, not you, <laughs> they are not intelligent enough and not bold enough and not innovative enough to understand time, place, and circumstance and go out into the world and make the world, all the Christians and all the other people who have no inclination to Krishna consciousness, but they have some piety, some goodness in them. Use your talents for a higher purpose to serve God. That is Varnashram. Sorry, I get a little heated, but this is my forum here. <laughs> that I'm, uh, you know, this book has, uh, is a great inspiration that finally these things get to be said. And no offense to anyone. We're not putting anyone down. We just need to readjust our thinking in general for all of us mm -hmm. and improve. So true. Thank you. I think I'm going to leave some, we're going to leave some time for questions so that we don't, uh, I'm yeah. sure there'll be people who want, you can either put the question in the chat, right, or Winston? Uh, if someone has questions, they can, uh, you can unmute yourself. This is your opportunity. You can also send a message in the chat. While people are thinking of their questions, I will ask you another question that Srila Prabhupada took traditional values and he introduced the Sanatana Dharma throughout the world in very innovative ways. Yes. And um, uh, what do you have to say about that? Uh, particularly with this um, emergence of women's voices, you, what you have done is really raised awareness of the extent of the problem which was there. Yes. The extent yes. of the uh, ignorance, actually. So in, in awakened, uh, you know, like brought many issues to light. And you yourself, I, uh, if you are not, um, uh, Ananga Manjari Prabhu is an interfaith um, preacher, right? And then she also uh, teaches under the name of Sage Mama. I really like that very catchy title. And uh, she's very active, as you can see, um, in her desire to uh, spread these teachings of Srila Prabhupada. And we read, as, we, as she said in the letter, Srila Prabhupada has empowered her. And he has, uh, has a vision for her as a great leader. Well, actually, I would like to, I forgot to say, and I really meant to say, at the end of that little story, in the end of my letter, this is not just for me. This is for anyone, any 17, from, from a young child to, any, to anyone, man, woman, Indian, American, doesn't matter, um, to, that we're all meant to be great for Prabhupada. That's what he wanted. That's his legacy. We can try to be great for him. It's, it's a service, not that we are great. So I want to clarify that, that it's not just for me. Um, in your question about that Prabhupada took this uh, uh, transcendent philosophy of, um, of the Bhagavad Gita and the Srimad Bhagavatam, and he transplanted this into a Western place, 
So it's much like when we, you know, you are all familiar, many of you, most of you are familiar with Tulsi Devi. Tulsi Devi is a sacred plant that we hold dear. It's holy basil. And she also has medicinal value as well as very uh, uh, strong spiritual values. Um, so you take Tulsi Devi in India, and mostly you'll see they grow everywhere. They're growing out of the concrete and um, people's balconies. They don't even water them. There's no rain. It's heavy sun and heat. And they grow uh, rampantly. And if you notice, their leaves are always usually very leathery and thick and small. Mm. Now, in America, when we've had to, we take the Tulsi seeds and we plant them in American soil, Western soil, whatever, they come out, the leaves come out big and you know, they're bigger and they're very thin and they're very delicate and it's very difficult to keep Tulsi healthy. Um, you know, if you don't give enough water, don't give enough sunshine, not too much sunshine, not too much heat, not too much cold. It, it's, it's a juggling uh, act to keep her healthy because when you transplant something, it's always gonna grow differently somewhere yeah. else in different soil. So when Prabhupada gave Krishna consciousness, the transcendent aspect, the transcendent does not change. The transcendent does not change, but the look and the shape and the feel will look different. It will look different. It's got to look different. It's, in a, it's transplanted into a different culture because it's not, again, it's not, Prabhupada didn't want us to recreate the caste system or recreate, you know, uh, Hinduism in, in, a, in a Western flair. I mean, that, that it just, it doesn't... Um, you know, we, 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 I mean, look at us. If you look at, if you look at the devotees in 1970 and earlier than that and 72 uh, up to that time, you see how we're wearing our saris and dhotis? I mean, none of it was proper. <laughs> none of it was really proper. And then if we say that, Krishna, that Prabhupada came to give uh, an Indian culture in America, then actually it would have been Bengali culture because Lord Chaitanya Nityananda, our history is from the bank, our, our ancestors, our, our predecessors, our previous acharyas are mostly all Bengali. So then why are the Indians thinking that Gujarati culture is better? No, now you go back to your bank. If you, you think Westerners have to change, then you also have to change. And I, no more, no more Dokla, no more South Indian, uh, you know, Italy because now we should be following the Bengali culture. If you think that Prabhupada gave Lord Chaitanya's culture is Bengali, Indian, then you must follow that culture and stop wearing these little bindis and wear a big, huge one. And, you know, the whole, you know, I mean, I kind of say it as a joke, but I mean, you can see how ludicrous that looks and how ludicrous that would feel to someone. So he did not come to give an Indian culture that we must look like an Indian and talk like an Indian. I am talking Indian. Now, the, the, many devotees start preaching like this, imitating. It's not necessary. And if that's your style, and you feel Krishna conscious, that that's all right. <laughs> but we, he came and he said, offer your food to Krishna. Chant the holy names, Hare Krishna. Read Bhagavad Gita. Read Bhagavatam. No one has a monopoly on bhakti. Bhakti is a natural condition of the heart for every living being. Every religion that's bona fide has a little bit of bhakti in it. So no one has a full monopoly on bhakti that only through wearing a sari or a dhoti or only through, you know, an Indian culture can you 
Um, and I'm not saying, you know, now she's Krishna West. So Krishna East, Krishna West, Krishna North, Krishna South. Do we have a problem with that? Are we supposed to have a problem with that? Preach, Prabhupada said, preach to your people in your language. When Bhakti Tirtha Swami was wearing the African clothes, he was able to turn so many African intellectual people and village people towards Krishna, towards Krishna Karna. They gave up eating meat and they became devotees and chanted the holy names and read the philosophy. At first, many devotees were very critical of him. At first, they were condemning him. Oh, look at him. He's going off, creating his own thing. He's creating his own mission. And when it became successful and they all joined ISKCON, oh, then ISKCON go, oh, very nice. You're doing a very good thing. Mm -hmm. So... Time, place, circumstance. Prabhupada says in the um, Chaitanya Charitamrita, there's a purport where Prabhupada says, a devotee who can understand how to give, spread Krishna consciousness through time, place, and circumstance has been, uh, has had been given a special blessing to the Lord from, in his heart. And of course, Prabhupada meant him, but we must follow in his footsteps. So... Um, Yes, Prabhupada gave transcendence, and we must, uh, in return, give that out to others. Thank you. Sorry. You any question? questions, any comments, any discussion here? We welcome. I'd yeah. like to I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'd like to comment, Mataji. I pray that you'll be the first woman on the GBC before I leave my body. I want to see you there. Is that a, is that a, um, <laughs> I pray I'm not, but anyway. <laughs> anyway, we just want everyone to hear these things and, um, you know, and to consider them and then do what you wish. If, if you feel, uh, you know, it's not right for you to call a woman as Prabhu, then that's your, that's your thing. It was good enough for Prabhupada, but if it's not good enough for you, that's, that's up to you. you we, have, we have free will, right? Um, I'd like to say on that, um, again, I don't mind at all being addressed as Ananga Mama, Ananga Mataji. Um, I honor it. It's nice. When I'm in a personal relationship with someone and they want to address me as such, when we are in a, an institutionalized setting where there are many people in a temple, on a parigram or whatever, and we say all the Prabhus and Vaishnavas on this side and then all the Matajis on this side, this is not right. It's comparing apples and oranges, as they say. It's not proper because you're putting the men on a transcendental platform and you're putting the woman on a material platform. You're just a Mataji. You see? So in a personal dealing of affection, it's different. It takes a whole connotation, just like if one of your very dear, uh, you know, patients or one of your very dear coworkers, you know, maybe it's your birthday and they're celebrating and then they call you by your name instead of saying Dr. So-and-so, that's fine. But when you're representing the institution and when there's an institutionalized program or situation, then it's very pertinent and important that we address because how we speak will be how we think and how we act. So if we don't speak it, 
the say we could say the Prabhu's on this side, the Vaishnavis on this side, the Prabhu's and you know the men on this side, the women on that side. That's okay because those are two ordinary. That, that at least that you're you're considering them as equal. And when we say now, then I know someone will think they may not voice it, but they'll think, oh, now she's talking about equality. That's feminism. Prabhupada was the best transcendental feminist, and he because what he did. He broke all the rules from India and he initiated women as Brahmins and, and Vaishnavas. And some now, now some of the sannyasis are not initiating their gurus. They're not initiating their women disciples as Brahmins. This is not following Prabhupada. They're trying to diminish, go backwards instead of going forwards in the preaching mission. So these things are actually taking place. Um, but we can correct it and we can learn. Don't become discouraged. It's not the philosophy that's wrong. It's our misunderstanding of it. And therefore, we need more and more people to speak up about this and be direct and um, help each other to see how we should all be the culmination of all of this, the book, the culmination of all this discussion is to respect every living being. I give respect and I give service to every living being. And that's the meaning of being a devotee, a Vaishnava, a Prabhu, a, a Vaishnavi, or whatever, a follower of Bhakti Yoga. So may we be able to do that and please him. Anyone else? Oh, yeah. hey. Kamalini Prabhu's there. My god sister, Kamalini. Yeah, hi, Hare Krishna. Uh, like you said, a little fiery. Well, a lot fiery. <laughs> but, um, you know, about this kind of segregation, and um, it reminds me, I've seen in India many times, like there'll be a sign for, um, like, say, for go for darshan or something, it will say, devotees on this side and guests on this side. And I'm thinking, what? We're in the Holy Dom, and, like, we're the only devotees? Like, many of those so-called guests, they're, like, way more advanced devotees than most of us but you know just that kind of um i always it kind of irked me a bit like to to just to distinguish like that like you're saying men and women you know um but yeah so it just reminded me of that but thanks for this uh dynamite uh presentation today we also saw you on you. Uh, new jersey zoom last month <laughs> Ty. And I welcome anyone to please correct me in any way because I, I, I want to do this right for Prabhupada. So I welcome anyone, um, especially my God brothers and God sisters. Um, we really just, it's not a, it's not an, we're, we're, no, we're not enemies of each other. We're, men are not enemies, the women are not enemies. We're meant to serve together and make Prabhupada's uh, legacy. Um, you know, accessible to everyone without discrimination. The only thing we should discriminate is the bodily concept of life from the transcendent concept of life. And we should check ourselves all the time with that. I mean, I have to check myself. Sometimes they go, oh, am I saying this because I, I want to be someone big or, you know, I have to check myself. And I welcome others to check me as well. And the same thing goes for all of these sincere devotees that are speaking on this. Um, so I honor Pranada for coming forward and 
printing up the book, compiling it. It took some time, a lot of time and effort mm -hmm. and printing it up and Sudharma for helping her uh, by giving her all the information. She used to be in the, um, she used to be the women's ministry, Sudharma. And um, she's still active with a small, even though she's very ill, um, she's active with a small radio program that she puts out lots of nectar um, in the community. So um, we want to honor all of them. We want to honor my dear friend, Narayani, um, who, when I first walked into the temple, she was a brand new devotee. And she was already transcribing Prabhupada's books because she had a brain. She was sitting in the corner typing. And just in those days, we didn't have all the equipment to like go back and listen to something. As Prabhupada was speaking in a, in a lecture with his accent, and she was just a devotee for a couple of months, she was typing out and transcribing all his books and all his lectures. And she memorized them all. She has like Narayani. She has a um, uh, photogenic memory. She, uh, one day I we had to give a class in Sweden. We were both there together. And I said, oh, can you just tell me, just remind me of that verse that Prabhupada says this. And she goes, oh, you mean Srimad Bhagavatam Canto, this verse, this, she said the Sanskrit, she said the English, and she recited the whole purport to me without looking at anything. <laughs> so who's less intelligent? And then in that lecture, um, she was with me. We were giving class together. And one lady asked the question, uh, Prabhupada says women are less intelligent. What do you say about that? And I said to her, what do you say about that, Narayani? And she said, women are less intelligent when they follow a man who is less intelligent <laughs> because of the soft heartedness. And one time I was in, I took that un understanding and in a class I was giving to college students and um, they asked the same question that in your book we saw, you know, it says this. And I said, how many of us women who are very educated, you're all becoming doctors and, you know, um, how many of us have been in a relationship that has been unhealthy for us, but we stay in it. We, we keep thinking it's going to change and we stay in it, hoping that the person's best side will come out. How many of us? And they all started like, yes. And I said, that's what it means to be less. And when we tolerate less intelligent, um, um, you know, ideas from people who are not um, transcendent. So we want to hear from those who are transcendent and we honor all of them. And we respect everyone's opinion, if it's okay uh, with you, but don't say it's okay for the whole mission because then you're pushing it back. Is that okay? Thank you. Uh, how are we for time, Winston? Because there's a comment in the chat and there's also a question. Yep, we're good, please. Do you want to read Daniel's comment? Uh, sure. So Jenya says, thank you for your female strength and not allowing yourself to be disenfranchised by the patriarchal movement. I've had many concerns about some of the issues you have discussed. Now I will read the book and push forward with my divine relationship with Krishna. Thank you. And, and yes, it's, that's about, that's what it's for. It's to, for all of us to push forward with our divine relationship with Krishna. And I have great hope. For, for the ISKCON movement. I have great hope for this mission, that there are many intelligent people and they are understanding these things. And we discuss more. And thank you, Sarvabhoma, and all of you, Winston and Guru Bhakti, for creating this forum of a simply wonderful forum that we can discuss these simply wonderful topics and um, become more mature in our understanding and 
in depth. So thank you. And I do have great hope. So let's work together to make it happen. Any, any other, per, any other? There's another question here. Says, uh, do you see inspiring youth in Krishna consciousness um, who have Prabhupada spirit today? Did you mean? Who, have, who has had what? Who have Srila Prabhupada spirit today? How do you oh. see empowering youth? Yeah, well, I see lots of young people, um, in spite of some of our, you know, misbehavior with them and with uh, and their mothers and others, um, that they're still going strong in Krishna consciousness, and I admire them very much. And they will have their own flavor, and it's okay. My Vishwambar, he has his own flavor, but he never, he never not does huge kirtans every single day, practically, of his life. And even when, when he was younger, young teenager, his friends would come over, and they would be playing a game or talking and eating. I'd feed them something, and then all of a sudden, they'd all go together and grab out their instruments and do huge, far-out kirtans. So the, young, the youth... Um, I'm very happy that they have their programs, that they're, um, you know, they should be fully encouraged and supported. Um, and, you know, um, I bow down to them. Thank you for being who you are and being strong and continuing your Krishna consciousness and, um, yes, uh, developing your intimate relationship with Krishna as that previous person um, commented, that that's what it's all about. So may you go forward but that book will probably hopefully help. Um, that's it's to patch, pass on the torch to all of you young people to um, do it right, correct our wrongs and go with what we've done right, continue what we've done right and, and enhance on it and make it even better and then correct our wrongs. So thank you all the youth who are listening or not. <laughs> and in response to the Prabhuji who spoke, uh, we wanted to tell him or inform him that uh, Malati Prabhu is a GBC. Yes. Sharan, yes. And I think also Dina Sharon, Sharon Mataji. Is I also don't know. But I know that Prabhupada originally asked Jamuna to be on the GBC. Yes. Um, at that time, I was around there and it was 76, 75, 70, pro, around that time. I may be wrong on the numbers, on the years. We were in Mayapur and... Prabhupada, before that, the Mayapur festival, he had wanted Jamuna to be on GBC. He also was respecting her as a leader to create the Vrindavan temple mm -hmm. when it was under construction. Um, the men gave her a very difficult time. She writes about this in her book very briefly. She was very humble about it, so she did not elaborate. Um, but the men leaders were giving her such a bad time that she went to Prabhupada and said, Prabhupada, I can't stay here anymore. I have to leave. I can't be in your movement because I can't, I can't do what I'm meant to do for you. So may I leave with my friend and we were going to, we'll, we'll get a, um, the farm that she lived on and we will worship our deities and we'll follow your program. And we'll, and Prabhupada said, and even though I can't be in the association of these other devotees, it's too harsh. It's too harsh for me. Prabhupada said, yes, I understand whether you associate with one person. I mean, you know, one, two other Another person makes two, that's association, or whether you have 200, it's still association. So you have my blessing. Now, the devotees at that time, we, I was in Mayapur, and devotees at that time, the leaders started de devaluing her, 
saying, oh, she's in Maya, she's blooped, she left Prabhupada, Prabhupada's very displeased with what she's done. She moved to a farm and no one should go there. Because we were, I was also a single young woman um, whose husband was Singha, so I had no ambition to get married again. And I thought, wow, maybe I should go to the farm and visit with her and learn from her and, you know, associate, get that. And all the authorities were like, no, none of the women should do that. They excommunicate her. What do you call it? Like shame her. So to give it a bad name. So anyone who goes to visit her will be not a devotee anymore. So we were frightened into that. And that's wrong. Those kind of things were wrong. They're mistakes. I mean, I'm sure it was done at least partially, I want to give the benefit of the doubt of thinking that they're saving ISKCON or something, but it wasn't, it was, it, it didn't save. So anyway, um, yes. So Malati, you know, is now on GBC. That's a very good thing. And there are other women, we have a wonderful temple president here who's a woman. Um, um, and, you know, this is, this is good. This is good. So if you see your propensity and you are a leader, then that is a nice thing that you are able to use this ability in that. And um, we use our, we, we give back Krishna what he gave us. That's the point. What Krishna gave us, we give back to him. Whatever ability we have. He's the ability in man. That doesn't mean he's not the ability in woman, children. <laughs> it's for everybody. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> 